I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. After College Podcast, powered by KSLSports.com. Happy to be along for the ride as we cross over to the midway point of the 2020 NFL season. We've got a special edition of the podcast today. A lot happened in week number nine of the NFL season with our locals in the NFL. A lot with the University of Utah players that are in the league now. And we're going to have a special guest, host of the Crimson Corner Podcast. He's been on the podcast before. He is our Utah Utes insider. Trevor Allen is aboard the podcast today to help me break down the first half of the NFL season and then also as we look ahead to week number 10 of the 2020 NFL year. Trevor, how are you doing today? Happy to have you on. Kyle, it's always good to be on. Uh, You know, I'm I'm glad we get to talk about something regarding the Utes as far as being out on the field, whether they're former Utes or not. But uh, it's always good to talk about the pro Utes. Well, I wanted to have you on, Trevor, because I know you haven't had a lot to talk about other than canceled football games now (laughs) that the University of Utah has canceled its first two games of the 2020 season. Uh, They obviously didn't play against Arizona because of COVID-19, and now as they were supposed to be in California to play against UCLA, they've now had that second game canceled, and another week goes by that the Utes season opener has been pushed another seven days or so. you know, give us a quick look into that on on the Yards After College podcast about what it's been like because, you know, we've seen other programs like BYU, for instance, who's, you know, been able to get their season up and rolling and then other programs in college football have hiccups along the way. But, you know, the Pac-12 in particular, they've had, you know, their season obviously started later than everybody else's did, but they've also now had hiccups to try and get that off of the ground. Yeah, you know, Kyle, it's kind of been a uh, whirlwind, uh, you know, if you really think about it. Because if you look at last week, um, leading up to the Arizona game, would have never guessed, um, as we were talking to Kyle Whittingham on the Monday before, on the Tuesday before, on the Wednesday before, everything was good. And then Friday was when everything just hit the fan. Um, There was a ton of positive cases. Um, and then you had to also uh, quarantine those who were involved as far as contact tracing goes. And then, uh, and then, so they ended up shutting everything down. No one was allowed to practice, work out. The only thing you could do was team meetings, and that was all done on Zoom. And then, uh, so that was Saturday and Sunday. And then, mon- and then they, they were doing really well on testing um, for those who were still available on, 
Saturday and Sunday. And the reason why they, they, they couldn't play for those out there wondering, Utah didn't have enough scholarship players that were eligible to play. Um, part of the uh, Pac-12 protocol is that you have to have 53 scholarship athletes available, healthy, and ready to go. And Utah did not have enough of that. And from what I've heard is that two position groups on defense were absolutely depleted. And that's why they weren't able to play. And then, uh, and then so Saturday and Sunday go by after the Arizona game. Um, and there weren't any positive tests. And then uh, Monday, according to Mark Harlan, uh, they had a couple of them. And then they went Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week without any positive tests. And then Friday, they had one. And that one was what put them below the minimum or, you know, the, the amount of players eligible to play. Because going in, Kyle Whittingham told us they were going to be playing scout team guides, walk-ons, all of that, because a lot of their, their starters and guys in, on the uh, two deep are all in quarantine. And so that really just changed things. And, you know, it, it really just – I don't know what's going on because we also found out that a handful of basketball players were even, uh, you know, positive for COVID-19. And so, Kyle, it's just one of those things where 2020 has just sucked. And, you know, when, when Utah if and, you know, hopefully when, when they take the field against the USC Trojans, it'll be 326 days since Utah last played football. That's insane. I mean, it's just crazy to think about, you know, the, the amount of time that it's been since we've, we've seen Utah step onto the football field. You know, obviously that, that Pac-12 championship game back in December of last year seems like, you know, five years ago at this point with everything that's happened throughout the last 300 plus days. But it, it is crazy, Trevor, uh, the fact that you haven't been able to, you know, get that beat up on, you know, running uh, after, you know, what seemed like, you know, some disappointing news about the season being postponed originally and then, you know, getting it to be, you know, reinstated, so to speak, uh, for a, a rescheduled, you know, 2020 fall season. Uh, to be able to have these two games canceled is certainly a bummer, uh, not only for the Utes, but just college football fans. And then, you know, obviously you on a personal level being able to cover that game. So I hope that you get to cover the game coming up on Saturday, November 21st against a ranked team in the number 20 USC Trojans. That game's going to kick off at 8.30 p.m. right now. It's scheduled to do that, uh, and it'll be on ESPN. So uh, if, if you're a Utah fan, a fan of the University of Utah football team, be sure to follow Trevor. Uh, he puts out great stuff on kslsports.com and the KSL Sports app. You can follow his uh, podcast it's the Crimson Corner podcast, and uh, he, he puts out great stuff. Follow him on Twitter as well, at Trevor A. Sports. But Trevor, the reason why I wanted to have you on this week is because week number nine of the NFL season, I feel like had the, uh, the most highlighted performances that we've seen from the locals in the NFL so far this season, and the majority of them came from former Utes. Uh, I think that you know it, it was fun to see because – we're, we're now past that halfway point of the 2020 season, like I mentioned earlier. But one of the biggest stories, and, and we talked about this when you were on the podcast, I want to say about a month and a half ago now, mm -hmm. is the story of Alex Smith. Uh, we kind of talked about you know him as potential comeback player of the year, uh, just the fact that he was able to make the active roster for Washington going into the season. But now he's seen action in two games, which is pretty remarkable. Both have come because Washington's quarterback at the time uh, was Kyle Allen in both of the games that Smith saw action. Uh, and this last Sunday, 
uh, Kyle Allen suffered a pretty, you know, brutal injury. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, which is, I don't want to say, you know, ironic, but like it, it is interesting that, you know, Alex Smith, similar situation uh, just with a brutal injury, you know, to be able to be his teammate and now kind of help him along is something that I think is going to be a, an interesting story to follow along throughout the next, you know, few months. And then obviously, you know, Kyle Allen's not going to play for the rest of this season after having ankle surgery, but Alex Smith came in on Sunday, uh, filled in relief for Kyle Allen. And he, he ended up having a more productive outing than he did in the first game that he saw. And I think that, you know, a lot of that just comes with, he, he still was probably getting back into better shape, you know, shaking off the rust, so to speak, after not having seen action in an NFL game for almost two years, but uh, he ended up finishing the game 24 of 32 for 320 five passing yards. He also threw his first touchdown since 2018, but he did end up throwing three interceptions. Uh, he ended up the game with a, a quarterback rating of 78.2. But, you know, Washington's really not in a position where they're looking like they're going to be making a run for a playoff spot. They're now two and six on the season. But what do you make of the fact that Alex Smith now with this injury to Kyle Allen has been named the starting quarterback for the team's next game against the Detroit Lions on Sunday, November 15th. Kyle, it's just crazy because, you know, we were just saying if if Alex Smith could just come in, you know, and even take a knee in a game just to win, just to get out on the field, let alone he's now the starting quarterback. Not only should he win, no matter what his stats are, whether he needs to win the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, and they should probably name the award after him just because of what he has done. Um, I mean, just the fact that he he threw that much – and, you know, you, you have to think, Kyle, that after going through something like that and all of those surgeries and nearly losing your leg and nearly losing your life, that you're not hesitant at all being out on the field and really concerned about potentially getting hurt again. And the fact that he's putting up numbers like that, yeah, he ended up throwing three, three picks, you know, but it is what it is. Washington's not a great football team, but the fact that Alex went out there, showed the courage that he had to have – over 300 yards passing and nearly brought the Washington uh, team back to beating the uh, New York Giants only lost by three points. But it's just absolutely amazing. I know, I know that we've asked Kyle Whittingham multiple times about Alex Smith and, you know, he's, he's really happy to see him uh, do that. And he, you know, said the exact same thing that he's just a fighter. And I've even talked to Urban Meyer about Alex Smith and what he's done and um, just won't, and, you know, after talking to Kyle Whittingham and both Urban Meyer, both of them ha have said basically the same thing in that he is one of the toughest mentally at, at, at the quarterback position of what they've ever seen. And it shows right there that, that he is so tough mentally that he goes out there and basically does not care about his leg and wants to play. And he's doing that. And, you know, I've got, I've got to commend him for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think because – like as we started this season, I was like you, you know, hoping that we would see Alex Smith just take the field, take a snap, nail the ball down at the end of the game, whether it's a win or a loss, you know, just be able to get on the field would be remarkable. Uh, but as I've written stories about, you know, these different moments of Alex Smith's, you know, performances over the last, you know, nine weeks or so now uh, that the NFL season has taken place, it's crazy because I feel like I'm like, putting headlines together, Trevor, and you know what it's like, you know, trying to come up with a headline for a story and, you know, trying to think of what will not only attract attention, but also, you know, try and most accurately describe what happened in such a short amount of words. 
you you kept or I keep on thinking you know Alex Smith takes another step in his comeback that just like it, it's continuously like hey the I, I thought that the comeback was already completed, but it's yeah. just one more thing that he's doing that's impressive and something that I didn't think was going to take place. The fact that he's starting a football game in the 2020 NFL season is, you know, just insane to me. It's it's crazy to think, you know, looking back to the documentary that we saw on ESPN in the offseason to where we are now, it's really remarkable. But you can catch Alex Smith's uh, first start of the 2020 season, his first start since 2018 on Sunday, November 15th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time when the Washington football team takes on the Detroit Lions. That game is going to be aired on Fox. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, broadcast locally here in Utah, but if you have Sunday tickets. As you're talking, Kyle, I'm going to look for that and see. Yeah, that would be great to great to know. I should have uh, been a little bit more prepared and seen no, if that good. game was locally. But, you know, the fact that, you know, he's able to play is is just remarkable. But uh, moving on to another, you know, Utah, uh, former Utah player that's had a pretty, you know, uh, nice run here in the last few weeks after suffering some injury early in his rookie campaign is former Utah running back, all-time great Zach Moss. Uh, he's been able to get into the end zone a number of times in the last few weeks. He had a little bit of an injury after, you know, the first couple of weeks of the NFL season. Uh, he missed some time, uh, missed a game or two, I believe. I uh, can't remember if it was just one game or not, but he had another rushing touchdown this last Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. A great game between the Bills and the Seahawks. Uh, Buffalo ended up coming out with a 44-34 win, but Zach Moss ended up scoring his third rushing touchdown in the last couple of weeks. He had two uh, rushing TDs two weeks ago, and he ended up finishing the game with nine carries for 18 yards, that score. But he's also been pretty productive out of the backfield. On Sunday, he had two catches for 30 yards, and Buffalo's winning, and that's the most important thing. And Zach Moss is a big part of those wins. Buffalo is now 7-2 and on the season. And a lot of the time, Trevor, especially I feel like this happens more so, I feel like, in the NBA because, you know, there's less roster space. There's less players on an NBA team. And so usually the high-caliber talent aren't on, you know, really great teams. It's it's not often that you see, you know, a, a team like, for instance, like the Golden State Warriors this year who have the number two pick in the draft. They're obviously going to be a lot better this next year because of health reasons with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson coming back but you know you usually don't see productive talent going into good teams but Zach Moss I feel like he landed in a great spot and now Buffalo you know they're they're leading their division they're well on their way to you know picking up that division title and making a nice run in the playoffs but what did you make of you know the first nine weeks of Zach Moss season uh, his rookie campaign how Buffalo is using him I know this is a loaded question but just overall, what are your thoughts on Zach Moss so far in the NFL? Well, you know, I'll, I'll kind of just go all the way back to when when he was he was drafted. You know, you and I talked about it that he would have to fight for time with uh, Devin Singletary and uh, having to try and you know share reps with him, and that has always kind of been the thing. And then, you know, when when he ended up getting that uh, toe injury and was out for two weeks, I'm like, man, he he just can't catch a break. I mean, it seems like every year at Utah he at least missed a game or two um, due to, due to some injury. And, you know, some of them were just freak injuries and just, you know, out of nowhere. And, um, you know, but, and then a after he missed those uh, two games, 
the Bills were still winning and, and Devin Singletary was actually playing pretty well, I thought, oh, it's going to take a lot for Zach to come back. Because as a rookie, you know in the league, Kyle, rookies take a lot longer unless you're that number one guy. Like if you're, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, the Bengals take you, you know you're going to be the starter. But Zach Moss, a third-round pick, you're not really sure where, where that falls. And so, you know, to and you know, you, you kind of lose some of that progress as you're going throughout your, your rookie year, especially when you get hurt, you, you, you know, pause your progress. And sometimes maybe you even take a step back or two because you're having to rehab from that injury and get back to where you were. But Zach's getting more, more carries than, than Devin is. I mean, it, it, it's insane. I mean, he had, he had nine carries. Devin only had two. I, I know that Josh Allen threw the ball 38 times in that game against the Seahawks, but that's also because Seattle's secondary is awful. But just to see Zach being used in crucial moments when, when they're, you know, in deep uh, into, into the opposing territory, down uh, in, into the red zone, it's really impressive to me because Zach is one of those guys who is just a physical runner. He is going to punish you if you're going to try and come and tackle him, and you're going to need to bring a couple of guys to bring him down because he's one of those guys. And, I, and, and that was a lot like in college, but when, when you're in the pros, Kyle, these guys are much bigger, stronger, and faster, especially on defense. And so it's been really cool to see Zach progress in his career despite having an injury and just being able to do what he does now. I mean, I'm not shocked. I'm just shocked that he's doing it this early. Yeah, I completely agree. I didn't expect, you know, him to to be as utilized as he has been, you know, deep in the red zone in particular, like you mentioned. Uh, he's becoming that goal line back for them. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses throughout the second half of the NFL season, uh, which begins for the Buffalo Bills and Zach Moss on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Good matchup there. Uh, you know, both, you know, positive win record teams. Uh, Cardinals are now five and three. Bills, like I mentioned, are seven and two with a nice division lead there. Uh, and I wanted to move over to uh, a guy that I know that you're a big fan of, um, former Utah wide receiver now with your favorite NFL team, Trevor in the Denver Broncos. And that's Tim Patrick. And due to injury uh, with your Denver Broncos, Tim Patrick has had a bigger role this season than I think that we expected him to have at this point midway through the season. But Tim Patrick so far has 27 catches uh, nearly 400 yards. And he has three touchdowns after adding another touchdown to his resume this last Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons came in the fourth quarter as the uh, Broncos were trying to make a comeback against the Falcons ended up falling short there 34 to 27 uh, to move to three and five on the season. But I like the the physicality of Tim Patrick. I, I like the the touchdown reception that he had and he's kind of got a nice rapport with Drew Locke. Uh, now that Drew Locke is back and uh, healthy for the Denver Broncos, but what do you think of this new role that Tim Patrick has kind of been thrown into where he's, he's kind of that, you know, number one wide receiver for the Denver Broncos right now. And, and, and by the way, Kyle, uh, I'll, I'll talk about Tim here in a minute, but um, for those locally in Utah, they'll, they'll be able to see the Denver Broncos at the, L, at the Las Vegas, I was going to say LA Raiders. I don't know why at the Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders on CBS, that one's the afternoon two o'clock game. And then on Fox, unfortunately, the Alex Smith game will not be seen. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Apparently, Salt Lake City's turned into a Tom Brady town, um, taking on the Carolina Panthers on Fox. That is the early game. And then the Seattle Seahawks and the Rams 
are the afternoon game on Fox. Well, but... they'll, they'll, they'll just have to tune in to either Sunday ticket to watch it live, or they're going to have to tune in and watch highlights on Sportsbeat that night. And they'll have to tune into kslsports.com because I know that you're going to be all over that. Oh, definitely. Um, we, will, we will have Alex Smith's uh, start all over kslsports.com and the app. And then uh, as far as Tim Patrick, Kyle, it's weird because I would have never been sitting here as happy as I was to see that Tim Patrick was – and he, he's just a great story because he was out of college for a year or two before he, he locked on to the Broncos, landed in training camp, made some great plays during training camp to the point where they just signed him. And I thought, okay, he'll, he'll be, you know, a, a practice squad guy end of the end of the roster type guy you know he'll come in if they're you know beat up but when when Tim Patrick's been needed he's really stepped up big he, he's he's been making great plays when when needed the most and you know that that has been Denver's issue I mean they have so many injuries um I mean they don't have as much payroll as the 49ers that on the IR but they but they certainly have a lot of guys on there I mean Cortland Sutton's a big guy who um is on the IR right now and he what was a big thing but but the thing is John Elway as much as I've been really critical of him in, in other positions, like, I don't know, quarterback, um, the fact that he's, he's really latched on to uh, Tim Patrick and has really considered him as the guy, you know, in, in the future of the Denver Broncos. I mean, his size is there, his hands are there, his speed's there, and he, he's a really physical guy, and a lot of that comes from playing at Utah under Kyle Whittingham. And, I, you know, he's, he's turned into, you know, one, one of the number one targets for the Broncos. It's just a matter of um, – having to go to him often um, rather than just late in games. Cause I know in that game against the Falcons, he didn't really get targeted at all until they were, they were making that, that comeback. And so, you know, Tim Patrick's got a, a lot of the makings of, of being a, a wide receiver in the NFL for a very long time. Now, another guy who is a former Utah athlete, uh, former Denver Bronco, sorry, he's not with your team anymore, Trevor, but that's the Vontae Booker, another Utah running back uh, and I just, I love this story from Devonte Booker, uh, you know, because it felt like he was almost as on his way out of the league, uh, the way that, you know, Denver utilized him a season ago. And it's nice to see the way that John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders have utilized him so far this season. He's got nearly 30 carries on the season. He's not, you know, the featured back. They've got Josh Jacobs there, who's a great running back, but he's got almost 200 yards on the ground so far this season. And he ended up scoring his first touchdown of the year. And uh, it was nice to see him be able to get that first score. It was not only his first score as a member of the Las Vegas Raiders, but it was his first rushing touchdown in two seasons. Uh, it's kind of crazy to, to see and believe that after, you know, the way that Denver kind of utilized him, like I mentioned a season ago, but I think that it's nice to see Devonte kind of revitalize his career, uh, you know, clearly not the featured back there in Las Vegas, but it's good to see him, you know, consistently get reps and time on the field when Josh Jacobs needs a breather. And I think that he's performed admirably so far this season. The only time I don't want Devontae Booker to score touchdowns for the Raiders is when Josh Jacobs is, because I'm an owner of Josh Jacobs in, in, in my fantasy football league. <laughs> or or if he's is, playing a division game against your Broncos, right? Yes. Actually, I'm all right if Josh Jacobs scores on the Broncos, because I already know that, that they, they suck. It, it is what it is. <laughs> but um, honestly, you know, Kyle, just, just to see Devontae, because, you know, coming in as a rookie, uh, at, you know, being a, a fourth round pick to the Broncos, they were going to use him right away. And they did. But the problem was he couldn't hold on to the football. And, you know, after giving him some more tries, they even had him uh, in his second year. He, he was going to be the uh, number one back. 
and then he was beat out by a guy named named uh, Philip Lindsay, who was who who was a free agent draft pick, or what wasn't even a pick. He was he was an undrafted free agent, and that was what kind of really just set him back. Is that is that Philip Lindsay turned into that into that you know all all purpose back, and he was used all the time, and and, and then Devonte started getting injured, and you know just kind of the just kind of the same thing of what happened in college, where he would get injured every now and then but he wasn't that that number one back I mean Utah used him in every which way he'd get 30 carries a game and you know and could also catch it out of the backfield and and could and could block and and all that but you know just seeing his career go sloping down in in a negative way with Denver it sucked it really did because I I felt like he, he could have had a really bright future in Denver but to see him land with with Vegas and John Gruden sees what he can do, and and the fact that they they already have their their number one back in Josh Jacobs, but that you know Devontae Booker's making the most of his reps more more so in Vegas than he did in Denver. I mean, Devontae wasn't putting up great numbers as as the uh, backup or even the uh, third running back in Denver, but he's making the most of his reps now in Vegas, and and and, and it's really paying off to where. You're not just ha- having to rely on Josh Jacobs now. They're kind of turned into that one-one-two punch where, you know, you, you've got you've got some dynamic weapons in, in that backfield. Yeah, and I think that it's it's cool to see because I've always been a fan of John Gruden. Uh, I don't know if this is just because of you know seeing him with uh, you know the Raiders and then going in over to Tampa Bay when I was younger and watching him win a Super Bowl there before he kind of did his broadcast thing with Monday night football and his quarterback, you know, interviews and shows on ESPN. But uh, I love watching the Raiders offense because I think that Gruden to, to, you know, not be like a football expert or anything, but just to, to watch him and to kind of see how he utilizes guys differently. And I, I think of like, you know, him bringing in Marcus Mariota, for instance, who he loved coming out of the draft, but he mm-hmm. likes that talent and he wants him to come in. So I think that I, I feel like he sees that kind of similar thing to a Marcus Mariota where he's not the starter necessarily uh, for the team, but he's, he's a valuable asset. I think that Gruden views Booker in the same way where he sees that high caliber talent. He saw what he was able to do at call in college at Utah and then how he didn't have the performance necessarily to back up what a lot of people thought he was going to do in his first few seasons in the NFL with the Broncos, but Gruden likes what he sees in Devonte Booker. It'll be interesting to see how they continue to utilize him. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if he gets some more reps, see if we, we can see another Devonte Booker touchdown here on the back half of the season. But Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. 
Uh, last Utah guy I wanted to talk to you about today, Trevor, before we touch on two other players from our locals in the NFL as we wrap up this edition of the Yards After College podcast, and that is New Orleans Saints safety Marcus Williams, uh, who had another just awesome game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the uh, Saints just, I mean, demolished Tampa Bay on Sunday. And uh, it, it was interesting um, – or I guess it was Monday Night Football now that I think about it, wasn't it? No, and, it was uh, on Sunday night. It was on Sunday Night Football. It, the, the, the games all blend together. Yes, I mean, <laughs> it's, you got Sunday Night Football, you got Thursday night. It's hard Monday to keep track. Monday was, uh, was the Jets and Patriots. That's right. That's right. I, we've got NFL almost every day. It just consumes me now, so I lose track of these things. But yeah, Marcus, Marcus Williams had, his, had a great season so far. Um, and he had his second pick of the season against Tom Brady uh, on Sunday. And uh, I just think that, you know, it's cool to see what Marcus Williams has done throughout his four years in the NFL because he's becoming, you know, a guy that the opposing quarterbacks aren't wanting to throw against. And I, I truly believe that. You look at the numbers that he's put up throughout his career, and he's just – he's getting better and better, Trevor. What do you think of – him obviously you know the Saints are winning football games but what Marcus Williams has been able to do throughout his career and thus far this season really of what he's of what he's doing he's kind of taken his career as a pro the way he did in college and you know he he, he was kind of a guy who, who was under the radar for a little bit he wasn't that big flashy recruit coming in and he really just blossomed and just took off and became one of those really flashy athletic long talented safeties and it it ended up taking him some time but you know the best thing that that could have happened to Marcus Williams was that he started from day one in the league because of what it's done it I mean we all know that 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 really bad play at the end where he ended up missing that that tackle in the playoffs a couple years ago that people were talking about for days and weeks after and you know all, all all the all the you know, spotlight was on Marcus Williams for missing that, that tackle. Had he made that tackle, they would have moved on. And, um, you know, I I know it's one of those things that it really motivated him, but just to have him now just really embrace his role and just become that, that, that dynamic playmaker. Now, I think that he's really turned out to be what New Orleans wanted him to be when they, when they took him in the draft, because, you know, do you, do you think Tom Brady really likes Marcus Williams now? Probably not, but, um, that was also one of Tom Brady's worst games I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, it was pretty bad. His first three interception game in a decade, I believe. Oh my gosh. That, can you think about that right now? I mean, Jameis Winston probably threw that every game last year. I mean, it's just one, and I'm not comparing Jameis Winston. Hey, to Tom Brady, Jameis, just, Jameis was able to eat that dub though. After the game. That was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was so it, bad. It's, it's, it's crazy though. You think about it. I mean, they, the Saints and Bucks opened the season against one another and then hit the midway point of each other's seasons playing against each other for their second second game of the season. And Tampa Bay looked better in the first game. And everybody kind of looked at that game as like a downer too because they lost. It was like, oh, Tom Brady's debut with the, the Buccaneers there. Uh, but Marcus Williams and the Saints, they looked really good that week one game. And then – you know, Drew Brees had some struggles there for a minute, and everybody was kind of wondering about the Saints, you know, about week four, week five. And then all of a sudden, we, we hit that midway point, week nine, and it was like 
the same thing that happened in week one, Marcus Williams picks off Tom Brady, except for it was even more extreme that Tampa Bay wasn't able to do anything against that defense by the Saints, uh, led by Marcus Williams in particular. But the fact that the Saints ran all over them on offense as well, put up 38 points, I believe, and uh, you know limited the, limited the Bucks to just three. Uh, pretty crazy to see what's happened you know, in that division because it still seems like it's, it's the Saints to lose, right? Yeah, I mean that was that was kind of the game that uh, a lot of the well the national folks were saying that was going to kind of ultimately win that that uh, division because now now you have two games over the Bucks and so if there's any kind of tiebreaker and you know it, it's definitely a better division than what it's been in the past but you know I think a lot of that Kyle though that that a secondary for New Orleans has really came in into its own because you know we haven't really talked about New Orleans being a really flashy team on defense because, you know, it's always been surrounded by Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Um, but I, I think that, that that secondary has really come on strong. And I, I think it's those, those two safeties and, and Marcus has, has done a great job. And I, I think he's turned, he's turning into a, a, a pro bowl uh, year and, you know, to the point where this, this could be an every year kind of thing for him. He, he's really, he's really come on strong and, you know, it's just really cool to see that um, guys like Julian Blackman coming in, Terrell Burgess until you had that that horrible ankle injury, and then you know Marcus Williams, just all all of these guys who were all playing safety at Utah, um, having these these early impacts with with their teams, and now the whole problem was Kyle is that Utah players in this era wasn't sticking in the NFL. They would be in there for you know two or three years. And then they would kind of fall off. Not anymore. I feel like we're in kind of a new era now for, for Utah football players that are sticking in the NFL. And Marcus Williams is a prime example of that. No, I, I completely agree. And it's cool to see not only those defensive players come out of the University of Utah and stick in the league, but you've also got the offensive guys now as well. So it just shows what a well-rounded group of, of talent has, uh, has come out of the University of Utah in the last you know five, six, seven years now. Uh, you've got guys like, you know, Eric Rowe, veteran in the NFL now with the Dolphins. And yep. uh, it, it's cool to see all of those things because, I mean, we've got nearly 30, 30 players now from the University of Utah representing our locals in the NFL. And, well, uh, and it's, Kyle, it's fun to way, cover on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. How about Julian Blackman tackling Derrick Henry in the backfield on, oh, on Thursday was, Night Football? You You know I was hyped about that, Trevor. I mean, I'm a Colts fan. I, I won't – shy away from it at all my bias is not hidden there but my goodness what a tackle I mean considering Derrick Henry was the was the recipient of that tackle I would have been like "Mm -mm, not happening I'm not going after him he's a freight train he's a big man and my gosh I mean Julian Blackman he's stuck in there and uh, that was really impressive to see Uh, it's it's been fun to watch Julian you know throughout this season because I didn't think you know, just following the Colts throughout the off season, uh, knowing, you know, a little bit more of their personnel than maybe I would on some other teams just as a fan of the Colts. But I just didn't think that they were going to bring him along that quickly to begin with just because of his injury. They wanted to be careful with him. They, they're, they've been high on him since before the NFL draft and obviously loved him enough to take him in the draft. But just due to injury, he was thrust into a starting role you know, week two, week three, and he's he's just blossomed into an impact player. And I think one of the leading can, candidates for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year 
with what he's done so far this season. And the Colts, they're uh, I know they, ha- they haven't played the best teams in the last few weeks, but they've won three out of their last four, and Julian Blackman has definitely been a big part of that. At least the Colts are, are playing games. The Utes can't that, say that the is same true. thing right now. That so. is true. Well, Trevor, because of that, I'm going to ask you about someone on the other side of the rivalry, and I know this is going to pain you a little bit. TDS? Because, because you're uh, – yes, TDS – uh, because I know that, uh, you know, you don't cover BYU on a week-to-week basis like our beloved Mitch Harper, but uh, Taysom Hill with the New Orleans Saints, another Saint like Marcus Williams, uh, has had a big impact on that offense. And I feel like, you know, Taysom's touches have kind of increased over the last few games. He's had 37 uh, carries, catches, passes, you name it, all combined this season, 37 touches. But he's he's been able to throw the ball a little bit, They've utilized him at quarterback where Drew Brees even talked about it uh, this week during one of his press conferences. He said, you know, it's it's interesting how we're able to do so many different things on offense because of the weapon and the different element that he, you know, provides to Sean Payton and that offense because he gets in at quarterback and they can do like the Tim Tebow kind of thing with him where they can, you know, run him as like a direct snap, like a running back, or they can, you know, utilize him to do like, you know, a throw or he, they, they'll, they'll put him out at like tight end, uh, wide receiver. They'll use him as a running back sometimes next to Drew Brees. He's all over the place playing all these different positions. Uh, so far this season, he's got 86 yards passing, uh, four or five passing, pretty efficient there with the opportunities he's been given. And on the ground is where he's been utilized the most. He has 26 carries for 141 yards and a touchdown, but he also has had six catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in that last game against the Bucks, he had over 100 total yards and was a big part of why they just destroyed Tampa Bay there. But what have you seen as you've watched Taysom Hill this season and you know how the Saints have utilized him on offense? Because it's been in a multitude of ways. Well, I would say that you know, as you mentioned that, that they use in the way that uh, Tim Tebow was used. The thing about Tim Tebow and, and uh, Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill's willing to play other positions. Tim Tebow wasn't. And now, and that was why, frankly, Tim Tebow's not in the league anymore. And that's why he's either playing baseball or doing whatever he's doing. But Taysom Hill is a guy who is all about the team and he doesn't care where he's used. He, he, he knew of what, of what he brought to uh, college football and to BYU he, he shined a huge light on that program when he was there, when he was healthy. And then to just have him get that, that chance in the league and that he's taken advantage of it because it's crazy, Kyle. We were all talking about, you know, start of the season uh, in 2020 that, you know, Taysom was going to have a big year. He had a couple of big games, but then there was about what, a four or five game stretch where he wasn't really getting touches and he wasn't really effective. And then people were like, oh, is this the end of, of, of you know, t- uh, the, the uh, Taysom Hill era? And then you look at what he's had, especially in that last game against Tampa Bay. He, he was, he was uh, just phenomenal. He's one of those guys I truly enjoy watching just because it's really cool to see the ways that uh, Sean Payton uses him, not only on offense, but on you know, special teams. And he's one of those guys that is going to be critical if New Orleans wants to win a, a championship coming up here within the next year or so because he, he is a big-time talent even though he is supposed to be Drew Brees' backup quarterback. And so that, that really puts, you know, a, a lot of pressure, which I think is one of the reasons why they went and got Jameis Winston. But it still says something, Kyle, that he's the, the uh, number two uh, quarterback 
uh, rather than, than a Winston. But it's just really cool to see how he's being used, and he is making a significant impact on that uh, Saints offense. Yeah, another uh, former BYU player who's made a significant impact on their team this season is uh, Miami Miami Dolphins linebacker, former BYU great Kyle Van Noy. He was placed onto the Dolphins reserve slash COVID-19 list this last week uh, on Thursday, November 12th. And I wanted to talk to you about Kyle Van Noy for a second. Obviously, we don't know if he's tested positive for COVID-19 uh, per NFL policy. The teams aren't able to actually comment on the player's status other than referring whether or not they're able to be you know, on the active roster for the game. And it doesn't look like we're going to see Kyle Van Noy play this week in week 10, but uh, he's now on the reserve list kind of going through that protocol, whether or not he tested positive or he's been in close contact with somebody who has been infected with the virus. But uh, what have you made of Kyle Van Noy's debut with the Dolphins this season? You know, obviously that that downstretch to open his career with the Detroit Lions and then wins a couple of, couple of Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. I was concerned that he would go to Miami, who's, you know, clearly picked things up this season. They're now five and three, but they've, you know, for the last decade plus have been really kind of down in the dumps. I was afraid that Kyle Van Noy was kind of revert back to that. Maybe it was the Patriot way that made him the way that he was with those two Super Bowl teams. I was afraid that he was going to kind of go back to a, a guy who didn't know what, what he was in the NFL uh, with the Dolphins, but he's clearly been an impressive talent for them this season, uh, a big leader for that team, a number of sacks that he's been able to, to force, but he's also forced a couple of fumbles, had a couple of fumble recoveries, breaking up passes here and there. And nearly and only had a set, touchdown. Yeah, and almost had a touchdown. Uh, what have you made of Kyle Van Noy and just the, the force that he's been to kind of help propel Miami to this good start that they've had? You know, I was in the exact same boat as you were when when he was uh, a, a free agent and was was looking elsewhere. I'm like, because see, funny thing is, I'm actually friends with Kyle Van Noy's father-in-law. Um, when I when I was in radio, um, I I worked with and and then obviously became became friends with his father-in-law. So um, his his wife's dad, and so um, I would ask him like, why why is he leaving New England and you know things like that? I'm like, dude, he he's he's not gonna play well anywhere else. I mean, New England jump-started his career, but I don't know if he can keep that going under, you know, a whole different system because we all know what New England brings. And the fact that he's, he's our, you know, he, he hasn't, he hasn't lost any, any footing um, going to Miami. And, and I, I honestly thought he was, and he still continues to make plays. And, you know, he's, he's one of the leaders on that defense. And, 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 and as you can see, the Dolphins are already turning around. They're not the laughing stock of, of the NFL anymore. Um, you know, the Browns aren't, aren't the, the laughing stock in the NFL anymore, at least right now. But, you know, it's just really cool to see how he makes such an impact by just making plays. He goes out there. He's very physical. He still has the, the same traits that he had when, when he was in New England. He, he's just turned that into another team and, ha, and has just upped his game even more. And I think a lot of that is that he's just challenging um, others as well as him, him, himself on trying to become better and has really taken that, that Dolphin defense and, and made it an absolute juggernaut in the NFL. So earlier in the, uh, the podcast, uh, you know, debut weeks, we had uh, Sam Farnsworth on from Sportsbeat, and uh, I discussed with him my predictions for the NFL season. We talked about, you know, 
preseason awards and whatnot. And that's the last thing I wanted to go over with you, Trevor. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here. I didn't give you any heads up on this. And uh, I want your raw, raw opinions here uh, because I wanted to ask you who you think at this point, knowing you know that we're at the midway point of the NFL season, who do you think is going to end up representing each uh, conference in the Super Bowl? And then also who's going to end up, uh, end up winning the NFL MVP uh, if you had to just, you know, go with one guy right now, who are you, who are you going with? So when you and I, you and I were, were messaging, cause you were, you were telling me about, about Sam's picks and, and you and I were, were messaging cause you and I are obviously are, are working from home. And so the way that we, we communicate is through chat and, and, you know, I just threw at you, I, I, I said that the saints are going to go from the NFC and can't remember who I said out of the AFC. I, I said anybody but the Chiefs because I can't stand the Chiefs as a Broncos fan. <laughs> um, but I, I, I still think it was going to be the Chiefs anyway. And then I, I thought that it was going to be pa- uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes was going to be the MVP. I'm still sticking with, with that pick as far as the MVP. I still think that New Orleans is going to go to the Super Bowl. The problem is Pittsburgh looks really good right now, Kyle. I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they are – what, are they 8-0 or 9-0? I can't remember. Either way, yeah. they haven't lost. But Yeah, they're, go, they're going for – you know, they've never started this, this well, you know, to start a season with their franchise. Uh, they're off to a record start there in Pittsburgh. And Big Ben's health is a big reason for that. And I, I think that, you know, as long as he's healthy this week, he's on that COVID-19 list as uh, the Steelers try and pick up their ninth win of the season to go 9-0 against the Bengals on Sunday. But if, if Big Ben's able to play, I feel like there's only one or two games maybe that they could slip up. I mean, let me just run through this schedule with you real quick because yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find losses here. And I, they've got the Bengals this week. And That's if Big Ben's health, if, they, if they've got Big Ben, I think they win that Even game. Even without him, they win. <laughs> well, I don't know. Big Ben was a big reason why they uh, well, they didn't win Steelers, many games last defense, year. TJ Watt, that dude is That's legit. True. Yeah, their defense is impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, after after the Bengals, they've got the Jaguars. They've That's got the rate. They've got the Ravens, and I think that that Ooh. will be their toughest game uh, to close the season. But Jackson if they hasn't be, looked good though. I don't know. They, Jackson they beat, hasn't looked as good as yeah, they as, beat as the Ravens me. in Baltimore too. Uh, let's not forget that. That was two weeks ago. They won that game 28 yeah, to 24. So if they can win that game at home, it's on Sunday night football on KSL TV, a uh, big game there. Uh, but then after that, they've got Washington Buffalo, which is another tough game. And that it's at Buffalo. Um, so I think that that's the second most likely. And then you've got Cincinnati again, Indianapolis, and then Cleveland to finish out the season. I, I just, I, I have a hard time seeing how they finish worse than 14 and two I just I think they're gonna get 14 wins on this season and they're they're a good pick I I still have a hard time saying that Patrick Mahomes when it comes to playoff football being able to you know put up the the numbers when when he needs to I mean it's been a while since Big Ben has been in the Super Bowl right and so he's, he's got a couple of rings but the the Steelers haven't been at that level in a long time now and Patrick Mahomes he's at the the height of his powers, the peak of his powers, and uh, I have a hard time going against that. I I said Kansas City at the beginning of the season. I'm going to stick with that as far as the uh, AFC is concerned. I just I like what their their offense brings and and their defense is good as well. But the NFC, 
and I talked about this last week when I had Jeremiah Jensen on, my pick is not looking good at all, Trevor. I had the Dallas Cowboys, my gosh. <laughs> they, uh, and I know that Dak's hurt, but even with Dak when he even was healthy, he was they, healthy they, they, they did not look good. And so that, defense that, is awful, that pick man. is looking bad. I, I think I'm going to go with – and I don't know if I can pick one team right now, but I like the Green Bay Packers – and I like the Seattle Seahawks. I just, I'm going to go Packers, actually. I'm going to go Packers. I like Aaron Rodgers, and I like what I've seen from him. Devontae Adams is just a beast. He's so good right now. He's one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the NFL. So I'm, I'm going to go Packers at this point in time against the Kansas City Chiefs. And then, like you, I also had Patrick Mahomes in the preseason. I'm going to stick with that pick. Uh, I think that right now, if the season were to end, it would go to Russell Wilson but I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a big run here to finish out the regular season. I, I just don't – I mean, I, as far as the Steelers go, I'm with you. But the thing is, Kyle, the Steelers, who do they have? Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, which is a big name. Big Ben's great. Chase Claypool, who the heck is this guy and where did he come <laughs> from? And then they have, what, Deontay Johnson? Or, I, I, can't, I can't remember. I think it's like Deontay Johnson. He's another speedster. And, you know, they have a really good old line. And then T.J. Watt obviously anchors that, that defense. But I, I think that it's going to be in that, in that conference championship game, it's going to be the Steelers and the Chiefs, and that's going to be one heck of a game. That's going to yeah, be a slugfest. And that's just going to see which team is, is willing to, to take the last punch and then send it back because it's going to be one of those, those games. But I, I think that it's ultimately going to be the Chiefs. But don't sleep on the – Steelers and uh, yeah I, I I can't go against Patrick Mahomes right now as much as I want to say R- Russell Wilson I haven't seen much from Seattle as far as their their defense for them to have that record to help him out because we all know that that team records really help out as far as the voting goes and their their defense is terrible it is not a, a Pete Carroll coach team type of defense and you know obviously we're way past the Legion of Boom um but I would say that 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 Russell's probably a very close second to Patrick Mahomes for for, for the MVP. But either way, it's going to be really exciting, especially now that the playoffs, you're going to have some more teams in that playoffs. It's just going to be some more uh, playoff football that we could all use right now. He's Trevor Allen, host of the Crimson Corner podcast and our Utah Utes insider at kslsports.com. Be sure to give him a follow at Trevor A Sports on social media, and then also subscribe, give him a rating and a review on the Crimson Corner podcast. Be sure to tune into him as he gets things rolling. Hopefully, with the NFL or not the NFL that it, that is the Utah football season. Hopefully, they can get that off of the ground. Uh, but Trevor, he helps me out every Sunday with the uh, locals in the NFL as we put together our recaps on these local players. Uh, there's a lot of them in the NFL these days out of the state of Utah, whether they came from high school or any of these college, BYU, Utah, Utah State, you name it. We've got it covered every week on the Yards After College podcast and also on kslsports.com. Thanks again, Trevor. Appreciate you joining the podcast, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully see Utah football and you putting up some things here in the next little bit. I just need football. They could go 0-5 for all I care. I just want to see them play. But, uh, Kyle, it's always good to jump on with you. If Utah doesn't play a game this year, I might need to talk to the bosses about helping you out with what was in the NFL one.